Good morning, church. <clears throat> this morning's scripture reading will be from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. John, thank you so much for doing our reading. Beautiful song of peace that Pastor Josh sang for us. Pastor Josh, thank you. Well, let's pray and and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Prince of peace, you alone give true, lasting, forever peace. Not just externally, but internally. And Lord, as we come to you today, we, we ask that you would bring peace into our hearts. Lord, where there might be a lack of peace due to conflict in the home, conflict at work or school, conflict within ourselves. There might be a lack of peace because of a health crisis, a financial crisis, a deployment, a job change, a job loss. Lord, whatever it might be that we have brought in here today that has disturbed our peace, we offer it to you in exchange for that supernatural peace that surpasses all human understanding. Minister peace to us. Do it through the power of the Holy Spirit within and through your word as we listen to it this morning. Lord, may the Holy Spirit speak through me words that are true and that bring peace to our hearts. Use me as your channel today for your glory and for the benefit of each one here we ask. In the powerful, peace-bringing name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen. My first duty stationed as a United States Navy chaplain was with the Marine Corps, the third recon Marines in Okinawa, Japan. Their motto, swift, silent, and deadly. And I loved wearing a t-shirt, you know, that had like a skull on it and that motto on it. And people look at me, I looked all macho. And what do you do? I'm the chaplain, you know. (laughs) And I remember I, I flew to Okinawa, I got there, and of course I wasn't trained in how to wear the uniform I was going to have to wear, and so I had to wear the, the camis, as we call them back there, that camouflage uniform. And I remember my first day at the office, I get there, and the Marines look at me and shake their head and go, Chaplain, we're going to have to dress you. Because I didn't know how to, to get springs and to put them in my trousers and to blouse them in my boots. I mean, who knew you had to do that? And I didn't know how to roll up my sleeves on my arms so that the outside was out. Inside out, I get, but outside out? And that's so that in case of a chemical attack, I could just whip my sleeves down real fast. Of course, you want to be able to do that. And I didn't know that your cover, your hat, as you civilians would call it, had to be starched so that it didn't look like an ill-fitting ball cap. I mean, I was a mess, you know, and... I think they corrected my insignias on the collar because if you're Marine, they go one way, and if you're Navy, they go the other. It was really complicated. And then I had my first scolding. 
Who knew that you couldn't take the Jeep driver and stop that, the Navy Federal Credit Union to cash your check? You're not allowed to do that. I didn't know that, so I got a scolding. That's all on the first day. And then, <laughs> and then I heard that the Marines were going to the firing range. So I thought, yeah, that sounds like fun. Sign me up. That's when I got my second scolding from my fellow chaplains. They go, we're non-combatants. We don't carry weapons. We don't fire weapons. We don't go to the firing range. We're men of peace. I listened to their counsel and discarded it and decided I'd go to the firing range. So I went to the firing range and they handed me a weapon that I'd never seen before, never held before, and certainly never fired before. It was a 45 caliber something or other handgun. And then they gave me 10 bullets, count them out. Every Marine got exactly 10 bullets, and we lined up together shoulder to shoulder, and we had our eye protectors and ear protectors, you know, and I'm firing away at the target with everybody else, and when we're all done firing, the range is clear, we bring our targets in, and we look at how we did. And the young Marine next to me looks at his target and then looks at me and says, Chaplain, well, this is a strange thing. I have 11 holes in my target. (laughs) I looked at mine. I had nine. (laughs) There's a joke going around that the safest place to be when the chaplain has a weapon is right in front of him. (laughs) Good thing I was a non-combatant, a man of peace, you might say. Well, today, as we come to the second Sunday of Advent, we come to the theme of of peace. And before we talk about peace, I want to review briefly what we talked about last week. We talked about hope, and we saw that hope always requires waiting. It's a waiting process. And so the prediction of Christ's first coming, they waited thousands of years, 2,000 from the first prediction in Genesis 3.15, until the first advent. And we're waiting for the second coming of Christ, and we've been waiting at least 2,000 years as well for the second coming. Hope involves waiting. We also saw that hope always requires a risk. It's a risk to hope in someone or something or an event that hasn't come. You don't know if it's going to come. You don't know if the person is trustworthy. So hope always involves risk until it's completed. And the third thing we saw is that hope always ends. You can hope in something that's eternal, but the Bible never describes hope itself as eternal. What you hope in is eternal, because hope ends. It ends when either it is lost or when it is fulfilled. God is our hope, and when we put our hopes in God, the Scripture says we will never be disappointed. I sincerely believe that every Holy Spirit-inspired hope and dream you have will someday be fulfilled, if not on this old earth, in the new earth, if it's Holy Spirit-inspired. Because the devil doesn't win. Sin doesn't triumph over what God wants to do in your life. And he's given you hopes and dreams that he wants to fulfill. He will fulfill them because hope in God does not disappoint. We come to today's theme, which is peace. And I looked up some synonyms of peace. They include harmony, serenity, and tranquility. 
I like those, and I think of tranquility. I, I think of the time I was in Costa Rica studying Spanish for three months, right before I came here to be the pastor of this church. I, I didn't know I was coming here to be the pastor of this church. I thought I was going to Spain. That's why I was studying Spanish. But in Costa Rica, I remember one day, and I don't remember what was going on, but uh, I guess I was animated, you might say, and the hostess in the house I was staying, she just looked at me and said, tranquila, tranquila. You don't have to translate that to know what she meant. That's the Spanish way (laughs) of really saying, let's have some serenity around here, some tranquility, some peace. 700 years before Christ's first coming, there was a Hebrew prophet by the name of Isaiah that predicted the birth of Jesus Christ, not only his birth, but also the character of the man that was going to be born 700 years later. It's a passage that was read already in Isaiah 9. I'd like to look at it again with you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah predicts, For a child will be born. Not might be, could be, should be, but will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. It's really important whose shoulders our government rests on. You don't want a narcissist. You don't want a tyrant. You don't want someone who's incompetent. You want someone that you can trust implicitly. Someday, the government of the entire world will rest on the shoulders of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has a name, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, as Americans, when we think of name, we just think of a word that we use to get your attention. Bill, Bob, Susie, you know, it's just a way to get your attention. But in the scriptures, a name normally meant character. It's who you are. It talks about your fame. And that's why God would change people's names. Abram, which is a good name, means exalted father. His name got changed to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Names in Scripture represent character and fame. I personally think it's good for you to know your name, and that's why I'll tell people if I happen to know their name, if it's a Greek-based name or a Hebrew-based name, I might know what it means. I will tell them. Because I think it's important to live up to your name, your character. I didn't tell the other services, but you want to know what my name means? Little freebie? <laughs> Pericles Constantino Alessandrakis. Pericles, Pericles, Perry for short, means surrounded by glory. Constantino means constantly. Alessandrakis, or if your name's Alexander, means helper of men. So my name happens to me, happens to mean constantly surrounded by glory, helping men. Who knew that God would call me into the ministry <laughs> so I could fulfill my name? So we're told here that his name, and this doesn't mean they go, hey, wonderful counselor, over here. He's not talking about a way to get Jesus' attention. He's saying he is a wonderful counselor. And you go, well, counselor, that sounds like the Holy Spirit, the 
paraclete, as it's called in the Greek in the New Testament. He's the counselor. Well, Jesus is a counselor too. The Holy Spirit isn't the only one that gets to counsel. <laughs> Jesus can counsel too. And then you look at this and you say, well, he's also called mighty God. You think mighty God, you think of God the Father, the mighty God. Well, yeah, he's the mighty God, but Jesus is a mighty God too. That's his character. And then he's called the eternal father. And you go, well, that's the heavenly father, you know. Well, in relation to Jesus, he's the heavenly father. But in relation to you, can't Jesus be fatherly to you? There's more than one father in the world. And so Jesus acts fatherly at times. So we might say he's an eternal father caring for us as children. But the quality we want to look at today is he's called the prince of peace. The Prince of Peace, a ruler of peace, a bringer of peace. By the way, we often end our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. And to us Americans, it's just kind of like a good luck charm, an abracadabra. It's like, tuck this on the end of your prayer and it's going to get answered. That's not what it means at all when Jesus says, pray in my name. He means pray in my character. Pray as I would care. If you pray in the character of Jesus, those are the ones you get the yes answers to. If you're getting a lot of no answers to your prayers, well, it might be that you're not praying in his character, in his name. And it says here of this Prince of Peace in verse 7 of Isaiah 9, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. It's a peaceful government. Once Jesus sets up his kingdom on earth, The world will be at peace. That's why the angels, 700 years later, when Jesus is born, in Luke chapter 2, in a section that you're well familiar with, where they show up to the shepherds out on the field, the angels say this in Luke 2, verse 13. Verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with the angel. First, there's one angel, but then there's a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The angels announce that Jesus has come to bring peace on the earth. And yet, if you're familiar with what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 34, it's as if Jesus is contradicting this. Because in John chapter 10, verse 34, Jesus speaking says this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. You know, wait a minute. The angels say, peace on earth. Jesus come. And Jesus says, don't think I came to bring peace on earth. Jesus goes on to say, Do not, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the enemies of his household. Jesus predicts a lack of peace in your home, in your relationships, a lack of harmony and serenity and tranquility. How can both statements be true? It's impossible for God to contradict himself And the Bible is God's word, so it's impossible for God's word to contradict itself. So how can we have the angels announce peace on earth and Jesus announce no peace on earth? How can they both be true? It's a good question that deserves a good and careful answer. Let's see if we can answer it this morning. If you have your outlines, please take them out. And the first 
thing we need to look at in answering this question about peace on earth is this. Number one, Jesus and his followers, followers are you if you love Jesus, are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Do you know the difference? A peacekeeper is when two kids are fighting, go to your rooms. I don't want to hear it. That's peacekeeping. You haven't solved the problem. You haven't looked into what they're fighting about. You haven't corrected it. What's going to happen when they come out of their rooms? They're going to fight some more. So you send them to rooms again. <laughs> That's peacekeeping. Now, that might be the, the first step before you can be a peacemaker. But Jesus didn't come to be a peacekeeper. He didn't come, to send a, he didn't come here to send us to our rooms. To tell us, go to your room and think about it. That's not why he came. Jesus is not a non-combatant. Jesus didn't come to say, hey, we're going to all go around a campfire, you know, and we're all going to hold hands and sing kumbaya, you know. That's not why he came. Jesus came to fix the root of the problem of why we don't have peace. He came to fix it. And the root problem to every conflict you have, whether it's in the world, in your home, in this church, in your school, in the office place, or in your heart, the root problem of every conflict is spelled this way, S-I-N, sin. And sin is any lack of conformity to the character of God. And when you have a lack of conformity to the character of God, you have disharmony. You lack tranquility. You lack serenity. You lack peace. Jesus isn't a peacekeeper. Peacekeepers just try to keep the status quo. Excuse me. Jesus is a peacemaker. He changes the status quo. He makes peace. Notice what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, on how Jesus does this. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith. Justified is a word that means declared righteous. Declared having a right standing before God. You're declared righteous by faith. You place your faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross by His blood to wash away your sins. In the Old Testament, we're told that the blood of bulls and goats did not remove sin. The sacrifices in the Old Testament didn't really make peace. They kept peace. The blood in the Old Testament covered over sins, just kept the peace until Jesus came and by shedding His blood made peace. Because the Bible says that God separates your sins as far as the east is from the west. Jesus doesn't stuff your sins and try to hold them down. He doesn't cover over them. He doesn't forget about them. He removes them. 
And so it says you have been justified. You have been declared righteous, holy before God because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result, Romans 5.1 says we have peace with God. The only way you can have peace with God is for those sins to be gone and gone forever. I'm glad that Jesus isn't just a peacekeeper. He's a peacemaker. He makes peace, and it results in harmony with God. But the Bible tells us that not only does Jesus make peace, but you as his follower are to make peace too. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 says, If possible, notice those words. It's not always possible. But if possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And the word there, man, means mankind, of course. It means both men and women. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everybody. The Bible is telling you to act like Jesus. And when someone disrupts your peace, when someone disrupts your tranquility because they've offended you or sinned against you or slandered you or lied about you or deceived you or failed you or whatever they've done, Remove that sin as far as the east is from the west. You forgive them and you let it go. You don't stuff it. If you stuff it, you'll become bitter. If you forgive it, you become better. You don't get tranquility by stuffing. You get tranquility by removing. As far as it depends on you, forgive them. But if they keep coming back and doing the same thing over and over again, well, that's on them. They're the one that keeps trying to ruin the peace. But as far as it depends on you, have peace with all men. Let it go. Don't stuff it. Remove it. Romans 14, 19 says, Pursue the things which make for peace. It doesn't say keep peace. It says make peace. Pursue those things. You might have to go to that person. You might have to confront them. You might have to ask forgiveness. You might have to demand forgiveness. I'm not sure what you need to do, but you make peace. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, Jesus says, Blessed, happy are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers, peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus and his followers are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Well, the second thing you need to understand when you talk about peace on earth is to understand that peace on earth has two time aspects. It has the now and the not yet. Throughout Scripture, you'll see that, the now and the not yet. The things we experience right in the present, but the things that we won't experience until the future. And that's the same thing with peace on earth. Look at number two. There's a now and a not yet aspect. Jesus offers you personal peace now. You can have personal peace now, that's peace on earth for you, on this old earth. But he also offers universal peace forever. Universal peace forever. And that's not yet. So is there peace on earth? There can be within you, but not in your surroundings. Is there peace on earth in the surroundings? There will be. It just hasn't come yet. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, notice the angelic hosts say, On earth, peace, 
But then they tell you who's going to have peace on earth. They say, among men and women of good pleasure. It's not peace immediately for everybody. It's only peace for the people of good pleasure. Who are the people of good pleasure? Well, that Greek word, evdokia, is the same word, good pleasure, that's used in Philippians 2.13 that says it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his evdokia, his good pleasure. So the people of good pleasure are the people that are doing the things that please God. And when you live a life that pleases God, you have peace on earth within yourself. So the angels announce at Christ's first coming, there's going to be peace on earth among the men and women that are living in a manner that pleases God. They'll experience peace. That's the now. But the not yet aspect is Jesus says, you're going to have conflict around you. We don't have peace around us yet, but that day will come. Galatians 5.22, there's a list there of things that represent someone who's spirit-filled. I don't know if you've ever told someone, you're not spirit-filled. If they're not spirit-filled, they don't really like it when you tell them that. (laughs) They say, who are you to judge? Well, I'm not judging you. I'm just looking at the menu given in Galatians 5.22. And let's see. You're not loving, you're not joyous, you're not peaceful. That's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. If you lack those things, you aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not my opinion. That's the menu. And the earlier part of the menu on the other page tells you the characteristics, beginning in verse 19 of Galatians 5, of the people who are controlled by their sinful flesh. They're going to be people who are, are committing sexual sin and people that cause dissensions and, and strife and, and things like that. And that's the flesh. So if you look at your life and your life is filled with dissension and strife and conflict, that's a result of the flesh. If you have a life that is peaceful internally, I don't mean externally. We're talking about the now, not the yet. We're talking about the now. That when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit brings peace. He brings tranquility. That's why we can see on the news people about to be beheaded that love the Lord Jesus Christ who are at peace. How can that possibly be possible when the world around them is not at peace? Because there's peace on earth within them. And only Jesus brings that. And when you're filled with the Spirit of Christ, you will have peace. You see, number three there on your outline, an absence of peace is an absence of Jesus in your life. An absence of peace is an absence of Jesus in your life. Jesus said it so clearly in John 16. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus speaking to his disciples says these words. Verse 33, these things I, Jesus, have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. Funny how people like to claim promises. Well, if you want to claim one, you can claim you're going to have tribulation. That's a promise. In this world, you're going to have problems. That's external. But internally, you can have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But take courage. I've overcome the world. It's not always going to bring you tribulation. I've overcome the world. At some point, the world will be at peace. Chapter 14, verse 27. 1427 of John says, Jesus speaking, peace 
Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You see, the world can bring you peace. But it's a worldly peace. It's not a lasting peace. The Lord Jesus gives us otherworldly peace. Beyond this world, peace. Years ago, I was at a funeral, and I was probably performing it. I don't remember now. And there was an older man who had died. He'd had a long period of a painful illness, and he was laid out in the casket. The casket was open. I'm standing next to his wife. She's looking at her husband, and she says, well, at least he's finally at peace. And I'm thinking to myself, I bit my tongue. I didn't say anything. I go, really? He didn't know the Lord. The last thing he's experiencing now is peace. Peace on earth now only comes if you know Jesus Christ. And peace on earth forever after you die and in the new heavens and the new earth only comes if you know the Prince of Peace and have a personal relationship with Him. Because the angels told us when Christ came, peace on earth to men and women of good pleasure who are pleasing God. And that's where our peace comes. So we see three things in answering the question. Jesus and his followers are peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Secondly, we saw that Jesus offers you personal peace now and universal peace forever. And thirdly, an absence of peace in your life is an absence of Jesus in your life. I want to close the message with one last scripture that I love. It's in Romans 16, 20. It's a delightful verse about peace. Apostle Paul's writing, and he says in Romans 16, 20, And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're not non-combatants. We make peace. And we will join Jesus in making peace on earth. And we join him in defeating the disruptor of our peace, Satan himself. We win. If someone has said everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not yet the end. Will you pray with me? I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes so you can have a private moment. Are you at peace? When you look in your heart, is there tranquility? If you've come here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, any peace you feel is not everlasting. But if you want everlasting peace, if you want to know that your sins have been forgiven and that you will spend eternity in the most peaceful place forever, if you believe that Jesus Christ died to take away your sins, not just to stuff them, but to remove them, if you believe that Jesus rose from the grave and conquered death, defeated it, 
and you'd like to be saved, you'd like to be forgiven, you'd like eternal life, you'd like eternal peace, then cry out to him in this moment and just say to him, Lord Jesus, save me, I believe. And he will. Christian, as we continue to pray, there's an area in your life where you're not at peace. Are you willing to exchange your lack of peace for the peace of Jesus Christ? If you are, then hand him your worries. Hand him your anxieties. Hand him the things that have disrupted your peace and let him deal with them. And let him fill you with his peace. Lord Jesus, we give to you the things that are destroying our peace and ask you to deal with them. Fill us with your peace. And Lord, where we need to be peacemakers, where we need to approach people, where we need to forgive people, where we need to ask forgiveness, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us do it. Lord Jesus, we love you. We exalt you. You are the Prince of Peace. And in your character as a peacemaker, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to just remind you that if you want to pray with someone today directly after this benediction, um, I just invite you to come forward to the corner of the sanctuary by the piano here. And uh, we have a stellar couple uh, Tom and Shannon, who would love to just pray on you, pray with you, love on you. And so um, directly after this, go ahead and take advantage of that. Um, also, before I close, men, if you're actually men and women, if you're able to help convert our room uh, for tonight, I'm sure someone will be giving direction, but we're going to be bringing in tables and stacking some of the chairs, probably not all of the chairs, but... Um, If you can help with that, we would appreciate it to make our women's event special tonight. Um, So just a simple benediction as you go here today. May the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. In his name I pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.